Are you looking to learn how to go from broke or nearly broke to millionaire or at least start at quarter million? Find out now. Cue the intro. Welcome to The Real Deal, where we get real about what it takes to succeed. Whether it's wealth, health, relationships, or finding your purpose, we talk to the masters to uncover the secrets to defying the odds and creating your own rock star legacy. I'm Doug, and after working on multiple Grammy-winning records as an author, transformational speaker, and your personal translightenment coach, I'm committed to your growth and success. And now, here's the real deal. Feeling stressed out? Riddled with anxiety? Perhaps you're experiencing night terrors, or worse, day terrors. Then you go over to guidedhypnotic.com and download your free guided hypnotic meditation and bust that anxiety once and for all. Sponsored by guidedhypnotic.com. Self-promotion. There you go. All right. So my dear friend, uber rocking human being, Walter Amarello. Over the years, he's earned more than $1 million through his businesses, nearly half a million simply by using his own real-world experiences to help hundreds of students create high levels of success in their own lives. But Walter wasn't always a millionaire. In fact, for about 10 years, he struggled with a series of failed business ventures, wondering why it seemed impossible to get any of his ideas off the ground. At one point, he was so broke, he had to move in with his brother, Embarrassing at any age, but especially at age 30. Then he received some advice that would change his life forever. A wealthy mentor told him to study the strategies and the mindset of people who were already rich and to find out what they had in common that made them so successful. And the rest is history. Now, after years of trial and error, Gwalter has created a step-by-step copy and paste system that literally anyone can use to create wealth. These are powerful marketing strategies that can help any business in any industry find Find ideal customers and draw them into you like magic. <laughs> Doug, I love it. You got the, the speaker's voice. You've got all the. Ooh. Oh, we lost you already. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. Sorry. When uh, I, I heard speaker's voice and then we lost you. Most of it was about speaker's voice, Panaz. I uh, love the intro. You brought me in uh, like a rock star, and you were smart enough to sell something first. So I love it. Amen. Well, so first of all, like, thank you for being on this, uh, this experience. And um, this is exactly what this show is about, what you just shared. Seeking out people who are accomplishing results. And then my experience has always been that people who do experience results – generally like to share how they did it because in order for successful people to continue to grow, they need more successful people to do business with. So they're very happy to support them in getting results so that they could continue everyone to grow. So thank you so much for, for joining us. So um, let's start out. Uh, what got you into, you said yes, multiple businesses so let's get the timeline like what happened how did you go from broke to millionaire and what were those uh what were those businesses 
Well, before I hit millionaire, uh, went broke to a quarter million and wrote the book. And then actually, by the time the book came out, I was already a millionaire. But that's a good question, right? So a lot of people want to know how to like, what business is it that makes you rich? And uh, before I dive into it, I'll just say that any business can make you rich as long as somebody has gotten rich in that business. But for me, it was real estate. And I started off as an accountant and did the numbers one day and just said, oh my God, like, it's going to take me 40 years to earn a million dollars at the rate I'm going. And that's a lot of time. And that includes a pay raise. So, so I had better, one, get that pay raise. And two, I'm going to have to figure something else out because 20 years to become a millionaire wasn't going to cut it. Nobody was going to think you're a, a hero from doing that. So I shifted into buying rental property. I, well, I started in stocks. That didn't work out. Then I started buying rental property. It increased my net worth. But I noticed the rental property wasn't increasing my, my cash flow. It wasn't increasing the amount of money I was making monthly. Although it did, you know, incrementally a little bit. Right. And I had, I think, 12 units at the time before I, I realized this isn't exactly working out for, like, you can't live off of 12 units, right? It's 1200 bucks a month. Or it, I was self-managing, so maybe it was like $3,000 a month. So at that point, I considered myself retiring because I didn't necessarily have to do anything other than manage my own properties. But it wasn't, it wasn't true satisfaction. It was like a part-time job, the pseudo-retirement, right? That was, that was a 30 years old. When I got my real estate license and started working, I realized I'd created another job for myself. And I was just working 60, 70 hours a week. And then I got into 80 hours a week. And I went from that first year, I made $17,000. And I realized, oh my God, like I suck as a salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm literally the worst salesperson on the planet because I, I come as an accountant, right? And so I started diving into sales and I went to Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, uh, mm-hmm. so T. Harvecker's uh, training program, and I reset my blueprint and I aimed for 100000 that year and I hit, I hit 87000 as an agent and then another 35000 on my rental properties. And so I literally hit like $115,000 from resetting my mindset, right? Just like, like resetting it. And I realized, oh shit, like if that's possible, what else is possible? And the next year I started flipping houses. My first flip made 32,000 off of it. And I had no money into it. I had absolutely no money into that flip. I had a partner, I had two partners on that and they made 42,000 and I made 32,000. And like, that was okay with me because I wasn't going to make that money anyway. Right. So that was the first year I made a quarter million was adding the flip in, adding the rental properties. I picked up two more rental properties and I just, I started building a team of real estate agents. So instead of me doing all the work, I had my agents out there working with me and it was kind of another added stream of income. So I was working, they were working. The team actually produced as much as money as I produced, but they were working like the team. Mm. Uh-oh. cost me anything to run. And I had to go and bust my butt for 70, 80 hours a week in order to get my agency income up. And so I just really started shifting and said, man, like this, there's something here to the rental property, there's something here to the flips, and there's something here to the team. But as long as I'm managing everything, I'm, I'm slowing down. And so I got a property manager. I took her in-house and she was my assistant property manager. She ran the, the brokerage for me, all the, the paperwork and stuff. And it made it simpler to have that person in place um, but I didn't become a millionaire until I decided to take on a true partner, an equity partner, somebody who also had to become a millionaire by me becoming a millionaire. And so that, that took me to the next level. 
Well, and that's such a powerful distinction because all too often, I think people, sometimes they get into that scarcity, that lack mentality. And the fear is, oh, if I bring in a partner, that's half of what I could have been making. And, and it's so interesting in my music career, one of the first, um, first, I guess, equity partner conversations that one could have in that was when uh, some of my friends, and actually one of them uh, is going to be on today, Dee Snyder, got right. a song uh, on a Celine Dion record. And, you know, and, and so a couple of my friends got these songs on, on these Celine records and Celine gets 50% of the publishing just to sing the song. And they both were like, look, I could keep 100% of zero or I could get 50% of, you know, multiple million records sold. I'm going to go for that. I'm okay with that. I'm willing to, to take that on. And right. same is true with real estate and all of that, you know, the, to create that alignment, if you can accomplish more, if you 100% of, you know, a million dollars or 50% of $10 million, which is better? Exactly. Yeah, Doug, you got the right mindset. And that, that was so hard for me because it was so ingrained in my head that partners were for dancing. Like, that was a statement that I made through my entire late 20s and early 30s when somebody would say, hey, you want a partner? I'd be like, ha! Partners are for dancing. I don't partner, right? <laughs> That's why I only make a quarter million. <laughs> right. Because you can't get past a quarter million by yourself. It's, I don't know anybody who's done it. I know you can make 100000 alone. You can make a quarter million alone. Getting past the quarter million, it takes somebody else in there doing it with you. And, and I think a distinction there is, is strategic partner. Um, yeah. and it's, it's not always 50, 50 either there. Right. So, it, you know, sometimes you could actually give up even more than 50 and other times you could get, obviously hold more than 50. It, it really depends on how much leverage you're looking for and how much you're bringing. Right. Um, so I think, you know, I just want people when they're listening to yeah. this, think that partnership must be 50, 50, and it's not, and it's, it's, it's not always, it's not always equity either. Right. So right. equity is, so this is just the path I chose. I chose a 50-50 equity partner. We, we operate two totally different sides of our business and we solely work in our strengths. And because of that, we're able to pull far more in. And I had to go 50-50 because he knows his value, right? He is valuable. And right. I couldn't, and he matched me, right? He matched me just in the opposite side of the spectrum, familiar with DISC. I'm a, I'm a DI and he's a CS. So we completely align just we have different approaches to the same problems and fill the gaps. Yep. Yeah. And so that, that was, so I wouldn't say 50, 50 for everybody. I think that it really is how much do you bring? How much do they bring? And sometimes equity isn't necessary. Sometimes well, sweat equity is sometimes more valuable than the, the actual finances. Cause quite honestly, money is kind of easy to find. There's a lot of people with money who are willing to invest, yeah. um, but they want someone who's going to then fill the gap with the sweat equity. Yeah. Uh, because they want, you know, they just want to leverage their funds, not their knowledge, yeah. um, which is, look, there's no right or wrong way. So l let's go back to a little bit of the timeline, because one of the purposes of this program, the show, this podcast, these videos is to show people what's possible and how we've overcome obstacles. And before you got into real estate, you had some failed businesses. Uh, what were some of the lessons you learned and, and what were the emotions that you went through as you were um, experiencing these uh, ups and downs, uh, even to go back and living with your brother? All right. So many failed businesses, um, some legal, some not legal. And <laughs> 
So before marijuana was legal here in Massachusetts, a friend of mine said, hey, uh, do you want to grow? And I was like, no, nah, I'm not interested. Then he threw a lot of cash on the table and I said, sign now me I'm up. Interested. Yep. Right? <laughs> now I'm interested. I was like, I'll never deal it. I'll never sell it. I was like, no, no, I, I sell it in Rhode Island. I sell it to, it's medicinal and it goes to these guys. Just got to follow these, these processes, right? It was very unregulated back then. And I got to the point where I was pulling in 2000 extra dollars a month from just turning, you know, just growing the plants, cutting them and passing them to somebody. And that was my first taste of actual working entrepreneurship. I had always sold myself before as a 1099 contractor. So I would go and like, literally I was whoring myself out to companies, right? Like, Hey, I've got accounting skills. I'll work for you. I've now got administrative skills. I'll work for you. I got marketing skills. Now I'll work for you and worked my way up through companies like Johnson Johnson, Walmart, uh, computer associates, Coca-Cola. And I just would bounce around between these major companies and work six month contracts. And it was like, they pay me $20, well, $18, then $20, then 22, then 25, then 30. Then I got an office 35. Then Johnson Johnson brought me on full time and said, no, no, we're done with you contracting. Here's the full benefits, $35 an hour work with us. And it was, it was a, a big experience. Like that's entrepreneurship. I don't care how you look at it. Like I was, mm -hmm. I was literally, I looked at my life and said, well, I'm no longer going to just work for one company. I'm going to be the person who fills the gap for each company. I'll, I'll service them in that manner. And so I was getting a raise every freaking time. And I realized my, I hit my blueprint, right? I hit my blueprint. I made way too much money. And that was the year that I made, I made 75,000 in that year. The next year I made 17 because I had to even out my blueprint. What was your, uh, in MMI, for those people who have done it, what, what was your uh, money um, relationship? Who were oh, you? I'm, uh, I'm a saver. So okay. I'm, I'm a saver, hardcore. I'm working on learning, spending, um, but okay. <laughs> I'm actually very good at spending now because I, I do it in the investment manner. Right. right. But, money monk. Yes. Oh, money monk. Oh, I see it. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> you were the only guy on stage, right? <laughs> uh, there was two last time. Nice. So there was two of you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, usually when I've done the event, I'm, I'm uh, yes, part of the elite. <laughs> the, the few, the proud, the money. Yeah. We don't need money. Money's not important. Uh, we can live without it. Uh, and if you continue to live that way, then money doesn't show up because it's not important. Yep. Still, you know, it's a, it's a daily practice to, uh, you know, add like to, to hold value for like, you know, like this, this is like money mucking it now. I, I'm having incredible guests on for free. There is no charge to anybody. I don't charge people to be on it and we don't charge people to download it. We don't, right? There I am. I just, oh, we got to give the information. We got to help people. Um, you know, how we monetize it. Obviously, it's branding right now and so forth as well. But again, it's, it's a daily practice for, for us. So you... As a saver, had to look at how to start investing because I'm sure that was a hard thing to part with as you started yeah. to even go to seminars and start investing because the MMI was free, uh, but the rest of them aren't. <laughs> it took me five times going to the free MMI to finally pay for Quantum Leap. Five times I had to go for free to finally be like, you know, there might be something here. Like I was like, sell <laughs> to me, sell to me, sell to me. But then, like my saver mindset said I've never spent that. I didn't even go to college, right? I've never spent that kind of money on my education. Mm -hmm. So I didn't understand it. And I went to college for a, two semesters, right? And I spent that $5,000 at a community college for two semesters. And out of it, I said, this didn't get me anything, right? Like I, I don't feel any smarter. I don't, I didn't feel my job change. Um, right. It did teach me Excel. And that is what got me my first job in, in the office uh, world. 
but like at the end of the day, I had a hard time paying for information. Mm-hmm. And so that leap, uh, I'll never forget the, the trainer, Doug looked at me and he said, look, if, um, if $10,000 is a lot for you today, well, when will, won't it be? Like, when will you get it? And so oh, next year, saw him again the next year. <laughs> Didn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and unfortunately, that's that's the sometimes the that mindset. Well, I'll start eating right and exercising after I lose the weight. Right. And it's never going to happen that way. Okay. Right. So you you were um, working. You got the job at Johnson and Johnson, and uh, you noticed a pattern. And while you were there, is that when you went to the MMI? So no. So uh, life had to uh, cut me down on my knees first uh, before I could decide that I needed help. Um, so yes, I was a horrible saver. When I talk about like Scrooge McDuck, right? Like, like Scrooge, um, like as, as deep, like money being spent or lost, like hurt me emotionally. And so I was on the unhealthy side of saving and I, I am now partially money monk. It's actually why my money has become so uh, abundant is because I've gotten more of a spiritual approach to it and let go of money. Losing you, Bobby. Spend through investing, and um, even money avoidance has some value to it. And it, and that money avoidance is, you know, I'm not going to look at the bills right now, but I will pay them when it's time. And right. just knowing that there's a time to avoid and be aware. There's a time to save. There's a time to spend. And there's a time to be spiritual and say, money comes to me freely. I have everything that I want. But the problem is, and that's what MMI no- teaches us, is that we're too far in any one direction. And right. you've got to have balance on some level, right? There is a saving is important, but so is spending on the right things. And, well, so is investing. Right. Investing. And it wasn't until I became a investor that my life opened up. And I realized you have to spend, you have to let it go sometimes. Well, and also it's that relationship like uh, David Dweck, um, yeah. you, you great friend, one of my best friends down here and, and uh, mentor and, and partner. And uh, I remember one time I was, I was, you know, refining something. I'm like, Hey Dave, you know, I'm, I'm I got to start, let's start aggressively looking for opportunities. Uh, I've got like, you know, hundred K to play with. And he's yeah. like, Whoa, you don't play with money. <laughs> I love it. Like it was just that simple mindset because, you know, here, here, and there's the money monk in me kind of like, ah, you know, we're just gonna, you know, (laughs) and he's like, no, no, this ain't a game. Like we don't play with money. It is a powerful tool. We invest it wisely. We protect it. We use it responsibly where we are stewards of our craft and have the right language around it. Um, And it's, it's so, you know, the, interesting how we program ourselves into our relationship through the language we use um, yeah. for good or for bad. Like it's, it's just a, an awareness factor, right? So, I mean, the good news is I'm part of my thing. The reason maybe why people would use the word play is so that if something happens, you're like, Oh, I was just playing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's literally a way to afterwards, like take it away from like to separate yourself from it. Right. right. So you, you studied NLP hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And so you understand the concepts of separating yourself from something means it didn't touch you. It means that you it didn't go inside. You didn't have to handle it. It yep. was, oh, no, just just kidding. Well, it's not real then, is it? Right. Yeah. I'll just dis- dissociate through uh, language of my relationship. 
Totally. Association. Yes. Uh, so, all right. So you, uh, your bottom when you went to do that was yeah. going to your brother's house. Was that your, so what caused it was actually, so my bottom wasn't necessarily financial. It was emotional. So mm-hmm. when I was married at the time and we've been married for three years, been together for seven, we bought our first rental property together, bought our second rental property. Well, we bought our first house together. I convinced her to sell it and go and buy two rental properties. And uh, it was while I was renovating the first rental property, the second one was under contract. She told me she wanted a divorce. She said that she was done. She wanted out. She couldn't stand the person I'd become, uh, that I'd become so obsessed with money, so obsessed with uh, change. I didn't want that stability. I didn't want that house. That's like I built the most beautiful house for it. Right? We, we renovated it, got it perfect. And as soon as it was perfect, I had to get out. <laughs> because it, it didn't have anything to fix. There was no project for me. And I, I, I was just emotionally detached from the property. I remember the day we sold it, I had a euphoria. Like, it's gone. The project's done. Now it's completed. And for her, she emotionally was just in turmoil because she was so emotionally attached to the property. And rule number one of real estate investing, side note, is never fall in love with the property. Mm-hmm. And... um she couldn't understand that. I told her over and over again. Well, because you were looking at it as an investment more than a home and where, I mean, so like you can fall in love with your home, um, but if your mindset is going into it, hey, this is an investment. And that, that's a fine line. Like I remember uh, I'm formerly married as well. And our first house, beautiful, it was like 19, it was built in 1911. Um, so like it didn't have a finished basement and, and all this stuff. So I'm like, okay, great. We're going to finish the basement. We're going to you know, do this stuff. And I finished half the basement. And then the, there's like a laundry room. And I'm like, all right, let's finish the laundry room. And she's like, no. I'm like, Why? well, she's like, cause you don't, you don't do that. I'm like, okay, but someday we're going to sell this and someone's going to want that. Like we got to look at this as an investment. It's not just a thing. And, and we never did it. And that was like that mindset similar to you. It's like changed. There's a lot of problems, obviously, but, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, even if you do fall in love with something and you're improving it, there is always going to be that mindset. Well, we're still at some point, yeah. going to be letting this go and we need to be thinking capital investments thinking you know what's the exit strategy yep and i i love that um you were in that old house so my first house was 1760 oh my we gosh we wow. weren't even a nation yet <laughs> amazing we were just a bunch of settlers i had trees my, my house was in the basement trees and there was no access through the house you had to go outside through a, through a oh, little wow uh bunker and so, yeah, I, I know what it's like to work with an outdated house, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the old cloth wiring and the, the slot. The, I don't know what that wall Slob is and called. Tube. Yep. yep. We're with, uh, yeah, like the two wires, just exposed wires running by each other. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it, may, it seemed like a good idea at the time. This is how we're going to light our house. <laughs> oh, we had so, a kitchen that was from the from, – it, it was like the Brady Bunch kitchen, and it actually had a little plaque built in 1970, and it was like the, it was like the most modern thing in the 70s. It was like Formica. Was <laughs> I had the red Formica. I had the, the red, crazy 70s linoleum. Yeah. Like, this kitchen was rough. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, sorry. So go ahead. So you, you, uh, you, so she tells me she, she wants – she wants to be formally married, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the way you worded that. And I, I took that, that very uh, hard. Right? She wanted to be divorced. And to me, I had put everything that I did for her in my head. Everything that I had done, every 
property, every dollar, every company jump I did, I had built that I did this for her. And now obviously this comes into love languages, completely different love languages. Mm -hmm. And for me at the time I was heavily access service. And so then she was gifts, right? So access service and gifts just doesn't work out so well if you don't understand the love languages, which I didn't at the time. And so, so this is retrospective was, at the time. So you, yeah. you were not in, aware at all. Okay. I was the most ignorant saver, <laughs> work hard. Uh, if you work hard enough, everybody will appreciate your work and uh, fall in love with you. And in the end, uh, that was very C. I look back and it was a very cautious mentality of mm-hmm. just, just introverted, not listening to people, just doing, 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 and with, with a high sense of D and in immature I. So it was, it was a very broken personality, right? Well, DC, yeah, again, for people who understand DISC, the, the DC combination is, is uh, challenging at best because they're, they're so conflicted. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I pushed hard and wasn't listening to people. And so that's what ended up causing it. I, ended up, I remember sitting on a paint bucket in a half-renovated apartment, um, just blankly staring at the wall, thinking, you know, this is it. I'm done. There's no point in moving on. I'd, I'd suffered with uh, suicidal thoughts my whole life as a child. And so this was the one. I looked at it and I said, yeah, I found it. I had a good enough reason. This is kind of it. Um, no reason to continue moving forward. And uh, I'll never forget. I still get a chill when I think about it. I, I just thought of my brother and what he would think of me if I left him here. He's, he's a little younger than me. And I've always been the one to push him. And I, I had that thought and I said, fuck, like, I'm, I guess I, I have to stay, but I need some reason to stay. I need some mm-hmm. reason to be here. I need something that's going to push me beyond any ever being hurt like this from a person to take the power away from people and put it into something bigger than myself. And I, I promised that I would first become rich. I'd hit this mission that I knew was so important. I'd first become rich and I teach people how to become rich because it was money in my mind. It was money that broke up the relationship. And later on, I discovered it was actually my own immaturity. It was a lack of personal development. And so my focus shifted because the idea was to help people never experience the pain and suffering that I experienced and to never inflict it on people. Because I realized the reason she left was not because I was suffering. It was because I was making her suffer. And so it opened a lot in me that I did not understand at the time, but it put me on the mission of I'm just going to learn as much as I can to become the best that I can and then teach it. And that's, that's where all of the training companies come into play. The hundred millionaires is about not necessarily teach people how to get rich, but who you have to become to become mm-hmm. a millionaire, who you have to on the inside change to be that the, you become a very quality, high level person by learning how to work with people, by learning how to treat your relationships with importance, by seeing value in people. And that, that dark moment of, of nearly taking my own life, and I had it all visualized. I had a dozen different ways. I'd been thinking about it for years. And as a good C would. Yeah. <laughs> I was not gonna mess up. <laughs> what was the point? And and I when I realized that I'd been focusing on the wrong things my entire life and it was time to focus on something important, I pulled away from relationships, I pulled away from anything that I thought would distract me, and I went all in like a like a C on self development on reading the books on figuring things out and what was the the first book or the first uh event that you went to that was at mmi 
So it was MMI. It was, did, did you get the book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind? Is that how you uh, found out about the MMI? So, so strange. I love, you know what, I, as you're asking this, I've not been asked this in years. And I don't even, I, like at the first, I was like, I don't know the answer. Uh, but I found it. It was Seven Habits of Highly Effective People was mm-hmm. the first book. I read it in college. And, and my former wife was the one who encouraged me to go to college. And then it was four years before my next self-development book. It wasn't until after she asked to cut things off that I read a book called The Four Agreements. Mm-hmm. And then I read, then I got into bigger pockets. I got into bigger pockets. And actually, before the divorce, I'd gotten to bigger pockets. I started reading about a book a week. Every time they'd say a book, I'd go and I'd read the book. And it was books like ABC's Real Estate Investing. So at that point, you were already, obviously, you did the investing. You weren't an agent yet. You were just sort of, your side hustle was doing the rentals. Yes. Okay. And so I had had two rental properties when she and I decided to part ways. And I had, just, like, right before the, the actual final, finality of the divorce, I got my real estate license. Got so I quit my job. When, when she asked for the divorce, I quit my job. I instantly was like, okay, I've got to focus on my relationship. I got 25000 in the bank. I got two rental properties. Money's not solving the problem, right? Like I got more money than I've ever had before. It wasn't a lot, but it was more money than I'd ever had before. And that wasn't solving the problem. In fact, it created a pain in me where I said, oh my God, money's causing my divorce, mm. right? And I had a lot of ownership on that pain. And I realized like I've got to cut, like, okay, money's not the issue. Get out, right? Money monkey, right? <laughs> Forget uh, that, like, let's save uh, and well, forget saving because that was a pain point for her as well. And I was like, let's spend, right? Let's, let's book a trip to Portugal. Let's, you know, I quit my job. Like, I'm going to work on your business 100%. We had a wedding invitation business at the time. And I, I just dedicated everything into it. Again, obsessive. And I started learning sales. And I went for my real estate license so that I could provide money because I realized now she was scared about money. And so... Mm-hmm. Like I was going back and forth, polarizing on, on both sides to the extremes. Right? I'm, I'm, clearly, I'm an extreme personality. It's okay. If this doesn't work, bam, let's go to the other side. Yeah. And then I will eventually cal- calibrate. I'm better at it now, but back then it was as far from one problem as I could go. I went to the other side of it. Right. And this was extreme. I look back, she was an S, right? She was a big S and a C and or maybe... Probably very high I, yeah. So S I. So what other people's perception of us and our relationship was very important to her. And to everybody, I was doing the opposite of what everybody else did. I was not working a full time job. I was, you know, being an entrepreneur. I was investing in real estate, doing all the toilet stuff that everybody's scared of. I I encouraged her to start her own business and quit her job. And so we got to this point. Where we were so different from all of our friends. It started ripping her apart on the inside. Right. Like she didn't know who she was. She was losing her identity. And, uh, and this is all retrospective, man, but like, of course, like the journey, that, that's, I think both of our superpowers <laughs> is hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's a superpower. <laughs> so, all right. So you, you're hit rock bottom emotionally. Uh, thank you. I don't have to copy all times, brother. <laughs> Amen. That's where it came from. Hey, don't worry, man. I, I got them both right. Good. Here. Thank you. A million under construction. We got it. <laughs> so, Thank you for the, for the plug. Um, the, the, so you're, you're rock bottom. You're going, okay, I got to start working on myself. You dig, dig deep. You start reading the books that are recommended by the books. Yeah. 
then you're like, okay, I'm going to start investing some of my time. Um, was the MMI your first uh, event? It was my first personal development event. So I, I yeah. joined a Remax and they were sending me all the Remax events, right? So it right. was sale, okay. sale, 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 sale. So it was create a faker personality because <laughs> sales, there's only a very few small percentage who are like, hey, be a decent human being and you'll make money, right? But obviously pick up the phone, right? Pick up the phone right. more often and be a decent human being. Uh, but most sales is all the manipulation. Say this, do that, become this, mirror them, right? All the, all the bad side of NLP. And uh, so that was kind of like, it was one side I've been to these success events. And so I was like, okay, they kind of work. They actually giving me tools. So it opened me up to when I found Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, it was the first event that was focused, well, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, the book was focused on becoming a millionaire. And as I went through the book, I remember I've never had a book change me like this. And in every single chapter, it was like electricity going through me. It was like a new awareness. It was like I was seeing the world for the first time. It was like, mm -hmm. it was like I had been this entire time walking around blind, fumbling, and I was getting lucky. And it was like for the first time, like I could open my eyes and see how the world really was. And I, I was terrified. I was absolutely mortified with how I had framed my mind because, you know, I get obsessed and the C personality is all about creating structure and rules. And I had framed my mind in the most unhealthy, unproductive, dangerous, hurtful uh, manner. And so I became very, very aware of my vulnerability, very aware of my weakness, very aware of how dangerous I was as a human being. Because I had a lot of influence. I was a manager. I, I affected a lot of lives. And I, I was suddenly aware of just how dangerous a human being I was. And in, then on the other side of it was, there was an option, there was help, there was ability for me to become something better. And it was the, the MMI. And I looked at the age of the book and I looked at like this website and I said, there's no way they're still doing this. There, there's no way this opportunity. Oh, yeah, what year was that? Uh, this was in 2014. I think my first MMI was uh, <laughs> 06. Oh, no, maybe before that, five. Like, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, probably 10 years before. Wow. And so you, I, you looked up and you're like, oh, let me see if this event is going on. Like sweating. Like, oh, my God. Like, I hope I hope I can find this website. I hope that, you know, somebody is doing something. I'm sure they're dead and gone. And now I'm hoping for somebody wow. to carry the mission, okay. mission on. And I go to the website. And oh my God, there's a local event. Like it's, it's in Boston. I can drive to Boston. It's a three-day event. I'm like, perfect. And it was free. And so everything in my head was like, like salvation, like there's a chance for me, right? Like, mm -hmm. like how people feel about religion. They, they read the chapter and they're like, oh my God, like, like I'm about to, I'm saved. I'm, I'm saved for, for life. Well, my religion has always been success. I didn't know that until more recently. And it was almost like the, the Lord of success, T. Harv Eker, was saying, I've got you, my child. Come, come work <laughs> with us. <laughs> and when I walked, like, every moment was surreal. Every moment was just all of these people want the same thing as me. All of these people are they, I, you know, projecting on everybody. They must be terrified. They must be uncomfortable. They must be um, thinking that the, you know, they've come to the end of the world, like something bad has happened in their lives and they're here to solve problems. And I remember Doug out there speaking and just every word, I'd never been exposed to NLP, right? And every word just so powerful. And 
like me sitting there like a puppet, like I will head fingers to the hand, like hand up uh, <laughs> affirmations, do whatever you say. I'm in it. If you told me to eat fire tomorrow, I'd be eating fire. Like, <laughs> like, let's go do this. Uh, I will break my own bones for you at the moment. Like that's where, that's yep. where it was this desperation. And then he talked about the $10,000 for the whole program. And the whole time I'm like, yeah, I need that program. Yeah, I need that program. Yeah, I need that program. Yep, I need that one too. Oh my God, it's got everything that I need. And need, 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 right? The scarcity mindset. Uh, and I just, I, I saw the dollar amount and I said, I'm not worthy, right? Like I'm not. I'm, Did it come out as that for you or is that in retrospect you realize that? Retrospect. So I had the fear of success. So most people suffer from the fear of failure. I'd already seen some level of success and I was afraid to lose it all again. And so I had this fear that if I spent 10,000 because I'd gone into debt, I went negative 25,000 into debt because of my, you know, money blueprint, all the problems I was going through. I went and I made 75,000 and I I wiped everything, all my savings. I went to negative 25. I went from 25 to negative 25. So I was now afraid of the more successful I become, the deeper I'll bury myself. And so it was, it was this fear of success in, in retrospect, knowing that I wasn't the type of person who could handle money. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of it was, okay, I'm going to do everything it takes to become the person who can handle money so that when I come back here next year, I'll be able to pay for this program. And so I like, that was my thought was like, I'm, I'm not that person now. I don't have the tools. I'm going to go and figure out the tools. Which well, part so of the cool. challenge with some of those events is, is exactly that. They get a good pump up and then they think that that's enough and they don't realize. And some people get, sadly, offended when, you know, that you go to an event, especially like, you know, free event, you know, like, oh, this could be shilling. Like, well, yeah, this is a free event. So how do you think they paid for it? Um, right. But also it's, it's, it's genuine, like, care and interest for people to be successful and we all know that if you don't have skin in the game you're not going to necessarily be applying it as much um so so yeah i don't know did you have some of that going on in your head as well we was there a skepticism when you know they would start rolling out all the different offers yeah there was there was this uh, level of it, it can't work right it's impossible and then by day two day three you're realizing like oh my god okay i've had so much personal development, like life-changing experiences that have shifted me inside that this definitely works. That's not the question anymore. It wasn't that because day three, I'm like, yeah, this works. And then by, by the time I realized it worked, I realized I wasn't capable because I was already overwhelmed. They were already hitting me with so much stuff that I couldn't handle. It was overload and they'd Mm -hmm. given too much. And so I now had to go and process because I wasn't ready for any more. I was emotionally drained. I was physically drained and just at a place where I realized my entire world was wrong. And so I didn't feel like I felt that if I took any more on, I'd be losing myself. I'd be mm-hmm. losing. I wouldn't be able to take I, again. I just didn't think I was worthy of it. I didn't think that I could take on that level of information and I was going to lose all that money and I was going to lose all of the, the information that came in. And then it was just going to be shelf help sitting on the walls. And yeah. so I, I made a commitment to figure myself out and I realized now I could have jumped right into that program and I would have been a year ahead and a year as a multimillionaire is a lot. A a year this year would have been added another $2 million in net worth. And so missing a year 
<laughs> at the time didn't seem like a lot because hey shit i only made seventeen thousand, right no big deal right but a year now if i'd started a year a year sooner doug in a in and remember the market has been was even easier to buy property imagine a year mm. earlier yep it wouldn't be two million dollars we're talking about it would have been a significantly larger chunk yep and so every year that you're not in this personal development arena is a year that you're missing out on, on all the life, the wealth, the happiness. I could have been with the girl I'm with now a year ago. I knew her three years ago. And it took me this long, you know, of personal development to get to the point where I was ready to be open for the right relationship. And so money, relationships, my physical body, right? Like I did not take care of my body the way I do now then. Mm -hmm. My mind, the, the, the meditation, like the, everything a year earlier i should have i, I should have well and perhaps it's exactly the way it should be because yeah, you can't sure. change what happened <laughs> and but the 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 point is the reason why i share that is is because obviously we don't want to beat ourselves up and at the right. same time almost everything that my experience has been almost every breakthrough almost every up level almost every bit of conversation that you just shared is consistent everyone who finally gets to that next level say the exact same thing would have should have could have done it earlier should have taken advantage of the opportunity uh all of that and you know it was never as bad it wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be um it was all in my mind and that's why we do the personal development work because that very reason that we need that to build up to that point but it's not just eat one salad Right. So yeah. it, it's, you know, you can't really just look back. Oh, yeah, I should have just done it. Well, yeah, because you have all this energy, all this wisdom, all this experience now to, to look back and but you didn't have it then. And that's why doing this work is so important. That's why doing these shows are so important. And, you know, these are free resources that are, you know, available so that we can speed the process up by modeling. Yeah. And modeling NLP, right? Neurolinguistic programming. Yep. This journey took me into NLP and, and I found NLP through the pickup artist community, right? So I was yep. so I, you know, working as a pickup artist, picking up women, learning all the tricks. I learned about NLP and I thought, wow, this, this could be powerful in sales. And so I, I went down. It turns the out there's a whole lot of sales training with NLP. There's a lot. Uh, yours truly. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're, you're one of the people that I've studied with and you're in one of our alchemist coaching programs and that's one of your strengths. And I, I went down the rabbit hole of NLP, started mm -hmm. learning it. And then NLP opened me up to something called hypnosis. And mm -hmm. I went and studied under Mark Music hypnosis and dove into um, so many of the big names in the business. And I, I'm blanking out. Marshall Silver is mm -hmm. one of them. And so dove into hypnosis on a high level, which you're obviously, you do a lot. You have actually have recorded um, high quality hypnosis. I've listened to a lot of your tracks. <laughs> And um, I'm very impressed. Like your hypnosis, uh, like you got the sound, everything is there. And it's like, I feel so relaxed. I, I, it's all the words are positive. They move you forward, which is very important with hypnosis. Uh, not for anybody listening, not all hypnosis created equal. A mm. lot of people understand the principle behind hypnosis so they can put you in a deep trance and then they can throw suggestions at you. But a lot of people are throwing poison at you. They're, they're not doing it on purpose. They just right. It's good intentions. Yeah. Is well, it's because we have that habit so often, uh, a lot of times, and I'm sure you experience it with, you know, your coaching students and so forth is um, when you ask them, what do you want? And it's mostly what they don't want. 
and right. the it's so challenging to we don't even realize how much we're doing it because we do more to avoid pain than to gain pleasure anyway um, even if you're a towards person your towards is still created by avoiding something anyway so it's still like it, it's always there on some level um, and it depends on how deep you go into your other than conscious to find out what specifically you're avoiding and, and so forth. You know, not that rabbit hole now, but yeah, I just wanted to edify your acknowledgement that uh, sometimes people do not focus the, the, the most effectively. And it's important to understand it's not their fault. Like, right. I mean, yes, on some level, but it's not their fault and they don't know any better. And so you have to be very careful when you listen to any recorded hypnotist, any live hypnotist, you have to know that person, know their language, know that they're trustworthy. And that's one of the pieces that I appreciate about using your programs. And I'll be honest, I was skeptical with yours as well. I, I do this with everybody. I did it with, course, Mark, with everybody. Should be. Listen to it consciously, listen to the words. And I, I, and I'm sharing this because we're on your program and um, I want to be very honest and, and be forthcoming. I didn't get a chance to really say this to you yet. Mm -hmm. um, but I listened to it and I was just so proud to know you. I just was so proud to, to have the relationship we have, um, to know that your mindset, because we're riffing, you know, we're, we're riffing a lot of this and we're just saying what comes to our mind and your words were positive. They're, they're so powerful. They're uplifting. And so if you're going to be reprogramming your subconscious mind, you want to put those positive affirmations in and every single word, the conjunctions, the, the prepositions, every single word that gets tied into it, the nouns and verbs have to be, must be powerful words. It's detail work and you've mm -hmm. done the detail work. And so that's, that was just something I was so fascinated with. I was so impressed with you. That. I was uh, very thankful to have the recording, have it, you know, I don't have to text you and be like, Doug, can you get on the phone with me and hypnotize me for the next 30 <laughs> minutes of your life? <laughs> And uh, to have it as, a, as an asset now that I can listen to over and over and over and find that true relaxation, find the, the true, okay, moving forward, taking action on things that are important in life, it, it really was helpful. And I've used a lot of hypnosis. I've been hypnotized thousands, thousands of times, um, hypnotherapy through myself, through others. And then live in person, I've paid for hypnosis. And uh, yeah, the guy that uh, trained me, whose name is Doug as well, Doug O'Brien, uh, well, and obviously Tony Robbins did as well all those years with him. But uh, Doug was my first like trainer, like hardcore trainer. And, and we became very close and did a lot of projects together. He got a uh, hernia operation and he did self-hypnosis for the operation. No meds no anesthetics for the operation. Now he did say after the operation, he needed some pain medication to, you know, because he can't stay in trance, you know, all day. Um, right. But for the actual procedure, he did it. Um, Heidi used hypno babies, uh, hypno hypnosis for giving birth, no medication and all that. So it is powerful, powerful stuff. Our, our minds, I mean, look at the world right now. The, the, the pain that we're in in the world is a direct result of the way our minds are being um, accessed and, you know, being, you know, uh, now more than ever, people need to mind their mind. Yeah. And I, I love that you went into the world, right? So this is one of our main focuses we're building a hundred millionaires to build a hundred millionaires to build a hundred millionaires because we know that wealth is the key to making the world a better place. You can't stop poverty if you can't feed yourself, right? So the mm -hmm. only way to, to help other nations and help the poor is to become rich yourself so you can donate charity. And so for us, the mission is important to educate the world. The problem is the world is already hypnotized. There's this 
hypnosis that's being pounded into their brains by uh, the people who are bigger than them, the, the, so, the media, social media. In fact, the media runs social media. Everything on social mm-hmm. media is a copy of the media. And it's pounded into their brains, this hypnosis, this weakness, this need, this time scarcity, all of these money scarcity, all these terrible programs are being pounded into the minds of these poor individuals. And the demon, the, the, the worst thing that I, I, my experience has been is a, the demonization of success, of money, of successful people. Because I struggled with that growing up. When I, like, I grew up in a very well-off area, and we were the poor kids in, the, in town. We were in Garden City, Long Island, uh, you know, super beautiful place. And I thought rich people were assholes because they treated me not very nice and we didn't have the money and we didn't, you know, like it didn't have the nice cars, didn't have, you know, all of that stuff. So when I started making money in the music industry, the first thing I did was get rid of it because I didn't want people to think I was an asshole. Right. I w- so that was the money monk part of me. The, oh, you know, give it away. Give it away. Let's see. We're going out to dinner. I'll pie. Oh, you don't have money for rent. No problem. Here you go. And yep. It wasn't until I started to shift that, but what I see is that being propagated through society that making money the you know the root root of all evil, and that's not you know that's not the it, it, it may be a because here's the thing money is just energy. You have a lot of money, you have more energy. So if you're if you're a jerk and you got a lot of money, you're a bigger jerk. Truth. <laughs> but if you're if you're a good person and you got a lot of money, you're a bigger good person. Yeah. And it goes both sides. And you're right. Money is just energy, right? Yeah. So we talk about in, in um, success and in, in our business, right? So deals, money, labor. That's what we're always looking for. Anytime you put in money, it's energy, right? So mm-hmm. think of thoughts, feelings, actions. Uh, thoughts, feelings, actions create results in life. Well, feelings are just energy, right? So mm-hmm. money is a transferable form of energy. And so like, it doesn't make you evil, Yo, if you're a dick, you're, you're going to be a bigger dick, right? Like if you're a good person, you're going to be, you're going to have more ability to help more people. Yep. And so, um, yeah, when people ask me like, does money make you happy? No, but neither is this conversation right now. So like I can change how I feel about something. Now, if money buys me food that makes me full and I don't have to worry about it anymore, then I'm happy. And if this conversation allows me to help you feel better about making money, then now I'm happy. So it's all in how I feel about the situation. Now, if money buys me food and I don't like it, didn't make me happy, right? So it's not exactly the money that buys happiness. It's your feeling about what the money has done that creates your happiness. Right. It's all about your relationship with, yeah. I mean, and that's really what it is. And that's really what NLP is and why I got into it. It's your relationship with yourself, with communication, with the words, with the, uh, with our, it's the subjective human experience. It's all energy. And the, the power of, I, I, well, money makes you happy. I, you know, so the, some argue then you don't know where to shop. Um, but I <laughs> haven't had enough to know. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but true story. I had a good friend of mine. We were, um, we were in a band together and, and all, he's a big DJ now. And uh, a number of years ago when he started to get some, you know, good levels of success and so forth. And, and when we were in the band together, it's like we weren't making tons of money. You know, we were you know, it was, I mean, we had a record deal and, and all that, but uh, we were talking later in life and, and now we're doing well. And, and he goes, you know, I, I, you know, I know they say money doesn't make you happy and all that. And, and all, but I got to tell you, 
sitting here having this conversation with you and my brand new Lexus feels pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I but, was out with, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, it's just that relationship, right? So there's nothing wrong with having stuff. It's just as long as you don't make stuff, you're God, right? Stuff is just stuff. It's fleeting. You know, it's okay to, to enjoy things. And, and men in general are a thing people. Like we like things. We like trinkets. We like fixing stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's a natural part of That's why the man cave is full of things and stuff. Um, man cave right now. It's full yeah. of blood. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, that's, that one's shelf empty. Right. The rest of them are full. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's so true. Is the it, it's it is just our relationship. Yeah, and so I I was out the other night and I was there with uh, a couple of you know very successful people. We're having cigars, we're having drinks, and very expensive drinks, very uh, expensive cigars, and a really nice exclusive place. And um, I was asked the question, "Hey, uh, how much is enough? Like, how how hard are you going to keep working? How much is enough? You know, like, you know, money doesn't make you happy." And I I looked around. And I, I held up the cigar and I held up the drink and I had my, my girlfriend, Dorina was there on the side of me. And I, I said, you know what? I, I have to argue that money is allowing us to enjoy this experience. I'm going to pick up the tab later and this is a good experience for us and I'm enjoying it. And um, this is something that I want to do more of. And I will say that it's, this is not the reason I make my money, right? At this point, this money that I'm spending right now was, is money that comes from passive income structures. So is, this isn't the work that I'm doing. The work I'm doing is actually helping other people have this experience. And, and that's, so that's the fulfillment what, that comes, the contribution, the adding value, and the, to create it first gives you even more confidence and leverage and ability to then share your wisdom, which ultimately will, of course, you should be compensated for, and you know, psycho, the, the psycho remuneration is where the true power is going to be when you see other people passing it forward, passing it forward, passing it forward. Right, exactly. And so we're, we're looking to build a, a machine. So we're looking to build a real estate investment trust that will help people retire. So me as an investor right now, I've still got to somewhat manage my property management. And so I've got all these units, I've got over 50 units, we're looking to double that. And so I, the more we go up in buildings, the more we have to make sure that the numbers are working. We have to make sure that the properties are being managed appropriately. We've got all these relationships with our tenants and we have to make sure somebody's managing. Now we don't actively do much. It's a one hour conversation a week with our property manager, if that, or it's just a couple texts. But at the end of the day, the bigger this gets, the more stressful it is. And I know I'm systematic. Most landlords are not. So mm -hmm. they're getting these big portfolios and they don't know how to get out because you can't just disposition a portfolio that size if you picked it up in one city because you'll flood the market because it's all made out of three families, two families, four right. families, five families. So you'll flood the market at 100 units or 200 units. And so in order to retire these people, these, these good people who've done a lot for their communities by creating good quality housing, they have to have some way to disposition. And the only person who could pick something up like that is a large institutional investor. Typically, large institutional investors don't want little mixed properties, a lot of roofs. What they want is one big complex. Give me the complex. Right. And so they're not built to operate the way that we operate. We buy portfolios actively. We, we just bought a 24-unit portfolio. And we, buy, we bought an 11-unit portfolio. We buy portfolios and we disposition them. Mm -hmm. And we roll into bigger portfolios and we disposition. So 
the REIT will help retire people. It's going to make a ton of money for us. Like, Doug, it's going gonna, it's gonna to throw so much money into our pockets, it's insane. But it's going to help a lot of people continue their lifestyle without having all the headache and the work and knowing that the REIT has taken care of their money for them. They're getting dividends instead, which is extremely passive. So just uh, for, for some people who may be new to that conversation, a REIT is a real estate investment trust. So it's the opportunity to be uh, an owner of multiple properties without having to go out and buy multiple properties <laughs> one at a time or all that. So you're buying the portfolios of multiples through the REIT. It's that trust that others can invest in. Right. And so the reason for it is is to help people retire. Like, ultimately, it's to, to help people retire. And the 100 millionaires is building these millionaires up and then helping them retire and get out. And it's, it comes from a place of we've, we've got to help these people who have the same problem as us. We saw a problem in the marketplace, and now it's solving that problem. And building the agency, building all the agents, building these, these people who can go out and help investors buy and sell property the right way is all part of the same mission. So it so people look at me and say, oh, you're starting a brokerage. Dude, the, I'm, st I'm building 100 millionaires. I, I'm building a, a 10,000 unit REIT, a billion dollar REIT that can help. So is part, of the, is part of the strategy then you're building also people to go out and find the individual properties as agents. So they're making money on the front end. Yeah. And then by bringing them into the REIT, it's almost like wholesalers, but... Uh, not exclusively. Right. Um, so again, if you're not into real estate, a wholesaler is going to find a, a property that you can, they'll contract, you could buy at a certain price. They right. could bring it in that way or as an agent, right. find a deal, buy the deal and bring it in if it makes sense. And you're training both of those. Yes. So Agent Alchemist trains people how to find deals, how to get deals, how to raise capital, how to buy them yourself. The idea is we're helping investors find the properties for their portfolios, the properties that they'll like. And we're helping wholesalers find income from doing something that they enjoy so they can one day buy properties. We're helping agents do the same. And the goal is ultimately to help people, good people. And this is the thing. Not all landlords are good people. And that's okay, right? Not all rich people are good people. It's just, it's a, a mix. And so what we're doing is building a community of good quality landlords to become our millionaires. It's not just, hey, building 100 millionaires. This is qualification. Right. I only make good people good money. That's been since I was 21 years old and got into sales, uh, 25, got into sales. I knew that I was going to help good people become richer, but I it was going to qualify. They had to be good. Right. And so that's where just building our own people makes more sense. We're building them up, helping them raise their values and moving them into the re down the road. Well, I, and I think this is a, an instructive point is that I think a lot of people have certain mindsets about real estate agents, about real estate investors, about landlords, um, and that may prevent people, good people, from getting into it. Again, as I shared earlier, the demonization, if you believe that real estate agents are bad people or investors, landlords, or you know, slumlords or whatever, then that other than consciously is going to prevent you from taking action, which is why I love what you do, why you bring me and Terry and other people in to share some paradigm shifting mindsets because for all, most people, that is the blocker. It's, yeah. it's what's up here that prevents us from taking action. Um, and I remember my first, when I got my, finally made the decision, that's it, going to get into real estate. Um, you know, 
I had to get over that in my head. Like, all right, I'm just going to do it, dive in. And, and I looked at all my past successes. I'm like, oh, God. The only time I did it was, you know, when I had the biggest successes, when I dove head in and I, you know, took away whatever fear and access confidence. Then I had to come home and tell Heidi, like, okay, here's our, we just, we had this little bit of buffer and, uh, you know, now we're going to get another, you know, another mortgage, like another mortgage. Like, well, no, it's, it's going to, you know, it'll pay for itself, right? And the first, it was really scary uh, for her as well, you know, when the first time you do it. And then now she's like, Go get some more. We like, can use more of those. Yeah, good, more of that. And uh, but I remember, five rental property. <laughs> <laughs> so then I remember when I first did, I I, I went to my mom, well meaning. I was like, hey, mom, you know, look at this, you know, start investing, and and you know, it was years ago, and she's like, well, yeah, you know, your father and I, we we invested, you know, and and man, you know, you gotta gotta be careful, you know, we had this bad tenant and they did like, you know, $1,500 of damage. And then we had to get them out and they had to evict them and then blah, blah, blah. And, and I was like, all right, you know, like get out, get out, get out. Right. Nope. And, and now I'm telling her, she like, she owns properties that she just would live in and all that. But now she's getting older than that. And, and like, I finally convinced her to finally rent them. Yep. Because nice. you know, I'm like, mom, you've got, you know, you, she's got one house. She's making 40 grand a year in uh, just for the, but just for the season. Like, nope. It pays for itself. Why wouldn't you do that? And she's like, well, you know, <laughs> and wow. it, it, it took a while for her, that mindset. And now she's so grateful because she's like, wow, what a load off. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Your burn rate was pretty high on that. Now, you know, and, and yeah. it's just, it's all mindset. And I, I noticed the same thing with my grandparents when I, I grew up in a four family, right? So I grew up in a multifamily in, in a poor city. Uh, my family was poor, so I didn't have like the nice city. I, I was literally just poor, surrounded and poor, surrounded and poor. And it was, uh, so I didn't know any better. And right. so my grandparents, they would rent their units out so cheap. And it wasn't until I owned my first couple of rentals and I was managing my own properties that uh, the, a tenant left after like 27 years paying like $300 a month. And I, I told them, I was like, I can get you 800 for that unit. And they said, oh my God, no, we can't do that to somebody. We, like, <laughs> we, can't, we can't charge somebody $800 a month for this beautiful, we just spent 26000 renovating this unit, right? Like I was there, I ran the wires, ran the, uh, the we did the drywall, did the, I installed the floors that my uncle did the cabinets. Like we went to, like, we insulated the walls. Who has an insulated apartment? Like it, we went to the nines on this. Yeah. And, um, and I told her, I was like, it's worth 800. I assure you, look at my rents. You know, I'm getting 1100 right now. I'm getting a thousand. Like I can get you 800. Let me do it. And she, she's like, no, no, put it for 650. And I, I put it for eight hundred, and <laughs> gave her six fifty. Kept the, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that was the conversation I had with her. Was I like, look, she really wants it, and I, I thought I was like, so eight hundred's good to the tenant right in front of her, and she said, yeah, yeah, eight hundred's fine. And my grandmother said, no, no, it's only six fifty, and I had a signed lease. I had the money in the in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just proof that the mindset is more powerful than like yeah. what you're seeing. The reality in front of you can be perceived as something else because your mind is so garbage, so damaged, right? Well, okay. So hopefully just other than consciously, I would just like people to also recognize that point through life experience and where else does sometimes that show up where you're given the facts and then you go, I'm not even going to believe your, you know, my lion eyes. Yeah. 
the, how does it show up for you, right? Yep. <laughs> how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. And if you're seeing, you're seeing some truth to this right now, I bet you there's some stuff in your life that you're not even looking at. Health, wealth, relationships, they all tie into each other. Your spirituality, your mindset, it all ties in. So how does this serve you, right? How does it yep. serve you? How you do anything is how you do everything. And where does this show up for you? Those like those three sentences are so powerful. And if you just write those down and like look at every like, and I, I told us to Doreen the other day because we're talking about time management, mm-hmm. priority management, right? Right. And so we're, we're having this conversation, and I just told her, I said, honestly, this is this is the the most important thing I can teach you right now, is that if you don't get your priorities straight, your one priority straight then the rest of your life will feel like a chaotic mess. When you know your one thing, your one priority, each day what you're going to tackle, and you're just tackling what you can create in a day, and then it's efficient acts, not efficient act, not inefficient acts, just efficient acts that get the job done, the highest level, fastest speed, you're going to be a much happier person. So it was, and oh, I, I don't know, how does that serve you? All right, going back and forth, going back and forth. And everything that we do has to be powerful. Everything that we do has to be done the right way, the right time with the right people and by shifting your thoughts to am i doing the right thing right now it, it just speeds up your entire life and it creates a lot of happiness with the context of and and that's where i think a lot of people also <clears throat> excuse me fail to get really clear on is their their vision their purpose their why and that's why it's so important you know that your focus oz is you know create 100 millionaires yeah. well that's measurable that's specific right yep it's actionable. You have the, the thing. It's realistic, right? Because if one person can become a millionaire, anybody can become a millionaire. Yeah. It's relevant in that, you know, you have the talents, the experience, and you brought in a team of people who have the talent and the experience to bring in the, the resources that people can be resourceful with. And it's timely. Now is the time. Yeah. Now it, there's never been a more important time for people to get their mind right so that they could show up to the best version of themselves, ease. Does money solve everything? Look, I, when I'm looking at the challenges in the world, it, it is not it, it, the racism, the, all that. It's really, it's not about that. It's, it really ultimately becomes about money. It becomes, it is a people right now, we're being controlled. Everybody is being controlled by, manipulated by the people with the most money. Period. But the most influence because it's, right. it's not even money. Because they're buying it. They're buying the influence. Yes. And that is exactly why we're hell bent on, on becoming rich and richer. The, every dollar we take in goes back into marketing. Every dollar we take in goes back into media. It goes back into pushing this positive message out because if we don't do it, nobody will. We know what the people with money are doing right now. The people with power are doing right now. It's not moving us forward. It hurts society. They're fight. They're creating infighting. They're creating mm-hmm. all sorts of weakness in our society and in our culture. And so, in order to change it, we've got to spend some serious dough. They've got momentum, so it's just like going on high speed. Like when you when you're shifting gears on the highway. If you're driving a Tesla, you're not this worry. But if you're shifting <laughs> gears on the highway, right? You can be running the engine at three at a thousand RPM if you're shifted all the way up in the fifth gear and you're going at the right speed. Right. And so they've got momentum for us to catch up to how much influence they have. We've got to outspend them. And the only way to do that is we've got to out earn them. And so the mission becomes 
what can we do to add value to the universe, add value to the marketplace on a level that will help us create this marketing budget to go out and help the world, to actually have an effect changing the world. Who do we have to meet? Who do we have to influence? A hundred millionaires is more than just building a hundred millionaires. It's building a hundred influencers. People it's a movement. Have, yep. It's a movement to help the world become a better place and yeah. then retire them, right? You did worked hard. Like here's the re you can retire. You can go do your thing. And once they're retired, you better believe they're going to go push this mission. They're going to go and push hard. Yeah, when I, uh, my shift around, around finances came when I met my mentor, uh, his name was Eric Emanuel. He's unfortunately no longer with us. Um, but I remember I met him and originally my, I was supposed to meet with him for a couple hours. He's the guy, it was a couple of hours, like a, an hour maybe. He was the money behind the Backstreet Boys. Wow. Like he financed Lou Pearlman. Like he, they were partners, but he was the money behind it. And um, without getting into his whole story, we met and we're hanging out. And I was just like, look, I'm like, Eric, you know, we, so I, here's, here's how it shows up. I, I've missed multiple times. He canceled on me multiple times to have this meeting with him. And I, uh, I finally got to him, you know, I booked, rebooked it, rebooked it, rebooked it, finally get to him, go into his Upper East Side apartment, overlooking the, the, the Hudson, looking at the 59th Street Bridge. I mean, it was East 52nd, beautiful, beautiful place. And yeah, he had the whole floor of the apartment building. <laughs> so I walk in, he's on the phone, he comes in, he sits me down and he's on the phone and he shoves over a newspaper and he, he's, he points at it, the article, and then he points to the phone. And the article was talking about how the, the last piece of beachfront property in Mexico was stolen by the Mexican government, by, like by the, like the president of Mexico's son or something, and how the State Department had to get involved. Wow. And he's like, then he gets off the phone, he's like, that was the State Department. And he was dealing with this situation. So I was like, wow. And he's like, you know why I met with you? And I, well, I'm sure it's just the consistency. You know why I met with you? I'm like, no. He goes, I owed it to you. You kept, every time I bought, and I was really, I'm, I'm really busy. And it's like, I'm sorry, I, I kept canceling on you. I wasn't canceling because I didn't want to talk to you. I just, I'm really busy. And you just never gave up. So I owed it to you. I owed to, to, to get to meet you. And I was like, okay, cool. We're sitting down and then I learning all about his whole story. And it's really fascinating, you know, what he's had accomplished and he's, uh, you know, close to a billionaire. And um, I was like, what is, so what is money to you? Cause I had a weird relate. Cause I, again, I was back then I was making, I had been making great money in the music industry, but this is after the Napster is that is now I lost everything. And I'm starting over. And I'm like looking at all my failures of what I was not a good steward with my finances. I didn't invest in real estate like I wanted to. I didn't do all of that. And I'm like, I know, and I'd been to MMI and I'd been to, into Tony Robbins. So now I'm asking the questions. I'm learning to ask the questions. So it's like, what, what is money to you? And he's like, money's energy. And he goes, Doug, he looked at me. He's like, he, like pin could have dropped. He looked at me and he goes, it is your responsibility to make as much money as you possibly can, ethically, morally, and positively. Because if you don't have it, you can't help anyone. And I was like, oh, ow. Yeah, it's, to think of that, like it's your responsibility yeah. to add value and receive. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, you just go out and steal money. It was go out and earn it, create it. And the way you create it is by adding more value to the marketplace, to more people than anybody else. And yep. then 
you obviously get to receive the, the benefits, but you can't help anybody. And he was on multiple boards of charities and all that. And no one ever knew of him. He like in, in the community, he was very well known, but he wasn't like, no one heard of him before. Um, but he was a, he was a, a powerhouse and, yep. and that changed everything. And then I remember I went to my dad and I was like, cause I, I was, we didn't have a good relationship. And I was like, eh. um, I was like, dad, because I grew up and he, we grew up poor. We were in a nice area, but he didn't earn money till much later. But he was, he worked at a bank. He was a banker and he was, you know, like doing deals like with Jack Nicholas. He was a mortgage broker, but for big commercial projects and that kind of thing, he ultimately got into it. And he's like, well, and I was like, dad, what's money to you? And he goes, well, remember, you know, all those projects that I would, you know, finance or work on, you know, I like golf. So I believe in golf. You know how many homes we created when we build a golf course on a, con- you know, on a complex with condos and townhouses and all that? Do you know how many jobs that created? Do you know how, like, I participated in helping people live, work, connect as families, connect on golf courses. I like golf. So it's, you know, a thing. I, I, I get it. But I was like, Everything shifted for me in that moment because it, it gave me, so I had, you know, Eric give me that seed. And then I was like, okay, I've been judging somebody all wrong. Yep. And so often I think people, because may, they may not be the best communicators or yep. listeners, they yep. get misinterpreted, they get misjudged, they, a lot of projections yep. and confirmation bias. And then like the media, where we talked about, like, you know, basically demonizing wealth, making, you know, if you are, a, if you have a different thought process, then you're my enemy. Instead of going, well, can't we all agree we want some of the same things and focus on those? Yeah instead of focusing on the differences and focusing on what's wrong. And that, so what you just said is exactly why I pushed so hard on my city, right? So I, I grew up here in Fall River and it's, it's such an important part of me to be able to leave this city behind in a, in a better position, in a better light, because it was important to my grandparents that came here from Portugal to, to, you know, find an opportunity. They found an opportunity. They bought, one multifamily and they worked their entire lives and they were able to retire thanks to that one multifamily being paid off. And the city gave that to them. They, and I used to, cause my, my ex, uh, so my former wife used to say that, you know, follower sucks. We got to get out. We got to get out. And I, I never experienced anything negative here. I, I basically worked and I went home and that was it. And so when we moved, I remember it hurt my grandparents so much. And I remember when I moved back, I said, I'm going to, fix the city. I'm going to invest here. I'm going to improve my city. I'm going to make it a better place for people to live, for people to be, I'm going to increase the housing, right? I'm going to improve the housing because that's what I know how to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to encourage entrepreneurs to come here and build their businesses here and make it a better place. And I realized the problem with not just my city, but all cities that have an issue, the gateway cities, the depressed cities, is a perception around the city. It's not transportation it's not education it's not whether there's jobs it's a perception of does this city believe in itself Mm -hmm. and if the city believes in itself it will produce and when you can get your community when you can get your business when you can get your family to believe in themselves your children to believe in themselves when you can get a city to believe in itself a city rises up and the only way that i saw possible was to increase influence in the city and then push a positive message out there. And 
over time, I've realized it's not about just my city. Like, yes, I am pushing hard here and I'm going to continue pushing hard here. But the the mission is worldwide. It's global. It's national. Mm-hmm. Right? Our country, our country is racist. Right. Other countries are not. Right. If you if you go to uh, you go to Europe and you see somebody from Uganda, like they don't have racism there the way we have it here. Right. Like, you still have jerks, though. They will always be there. Right. But racism is an American thing. Right. I, I only know this because I'm hanging out with a lot of international people now. And they're like, yeah, what's with you guys over there in America? <laughs> like, What is this? Well, and I yeah, I mean, in, in that conversation, I feel like the way it's being gone about and the way it always, for whatever reason, has been approached yeah. Um, from all angles is what's keeping it alive and yeah. is what is exploiting it as opposed to, a, you know, because there are a lot, like, I know more non-racist people than racist people. Same My way. universe, like, I hang out with consciously with spiritual, personal development, business people who they are all about support. They are the opposite of racist because, like, there's – they're they come from people they come from business they come from you know look everybody we we need a leg up for everybody like they're very charitable you know frank mckinney we just had him the other day he's he's built 27 self-sustaining villages in haiti like these are the people i i associate with so we need to exploit that yes like look at all these amazing people and stop focusing on all the negative people and and feeding them right like fuel to justify their their thing why don't we talk about like improving everybody's lives and not you know why it's not working let's let, let's have the answer which is create wealth create opportunity that's the truth so it's it's what we resist persists yeah right what we what we resist persists and so using that and this is a this is a tip for anybody who wants to truly become wealthy I started realizing that when I said, oh man, I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. I can't make money. It's so hard to make it in my city. It's so hard to make it in my city. It's so hard. I I was hypnotizing myself when I became Mm -hmm. aware that, oh my God, it's so easy to make it here. Oh my God, I can't stop the income. I can't stop the money from coming in. I can't stop the flow from flowing in because- I might might suggest you rework that one. Go ahead, go ahead. Because- I, oh, I realized, oh, got yeah. you, because yeah. the mind doesn't hear negative, so it heard stop, 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 even though right, right, I, right. I can't. So it, imagine once you own and tweak that. Yes. Oh, it's only, a, it's exponential. The, the floodgates are going to open even more. Doug, help me out with this. Free coaching, uh, free coaching. Session. Of course. All right. So I can't stop. So what is, uh, um, the, the, the flowing is ever present and over uh, uh, avalanches of abundance come my way. Yes. I see only opportunity. I see only residual income. I see only new homes. I see only new investments. I see only new ways to uh, turn opportunities into more opportunities. I see more golden geese every day. Yes, that's it. Every opportunity is flow to me. Everybody I touch makes money. Everybody I talk to makes money. 
I, I'm increasing the people around me. I'm improving the, the community. Everything I do improves the community. Everything I do brings yep. money in. Oh, I used to, Doug, you got it. Love it. When I, uh, when I work yeah. out, uh, when, I was doing, I, when I was doing martial arts, I did a lot of the kickboxing and stuff. I'd be doing it like every day in every way. I'm getting stronger and stronger. Every day in every way. I'm getting you know, closer and closer to God. Every day in every way. Opportunities flow to me like avalanches. And I, I would just you know, say that over and over just to keep that flow going yep. because, and the reason why I know a lot of times people, you know, may get, uh, um, have different mindsets around positive affirmations or, or what have right. you in so many respects, a lot of times it's just to put something in there in place of the negative com- stuff right. that's going to happen other than consciously. Yep. So that's where the programming comes in is to notice what is the other than conscious thought what is the that feeling you know and, and how does it feel to say oh i can't do it or you know that's you know uh, easy for them um right. you know and that's the thing the other thing is you make it look easy because you've done the work right your muscles are strong because you started out broke went to a quarter really (laughs) and then beyond you continue the momentum because and and i always ask this um and correct me if i'm wrong uh every person i've ever asked every millionaire always shares that the first million was the hardest dude the first hundred thousand was a bitch the the first hundred thousand was a bitch was the hardest money i ever earned and the first million it was actually a lot easier the, the well, because you, you, you change a relationship with money after the first 100000 Yeah. Point being is that for anyone, whatever their marker was, your marker was 100000 Yeah. Um, it was what it took inside here. Yeah. And you shared it. You didn't think you were worthy. You didn't think you were good enough. You didn't think you could do it. You didn't think you had those stories. And then once you overcame that, once you busted through that, then yeah. it became new possibility the and last- probability. The last two million we picked up last year, well, this, uh, sort of in the last eight months. Oh, lost you. We just picked up $2 million worth of equity because of the way we picked it up. The easiest deal I've ever done. The easiest stuff I've ever done was a $2 million uh, in four months, two projects, right? We picked up 35 units in four months and like, Bare, I have not touched a, I, nothing. Uh, I painted one unit. I painted one unit. I did. Uh, and like, we're talking like, because I felt like it. <laughs> so I was like, dude, the painter wants to charge 2,500 bucks. I'm paying myself. Right. And I swear to God, I went and I cut myself a check for 2,500 bucks. And I just went and I painted. Love it. Well, and, but that's, that's the mindset shift because if $2 million is a lot of money, meaning it is a lot of money, but if you think it's unachievable amount of money and that deals like that are impossible, you'd never take the, the opportunity. The other night and the, the deal that the, the situation that um, I'm waiting for the, the contract to come, I was out to dinner with a new friend of mine, super, super successful guy and, and has you know, a couple hundred employees and he's, he's, doing, he's politically connected, amazing guy. We, we become friendly and, and we're out to dinner and, he's, and we're just yeah, catching up, how you doing? He's like, oh, it's great. You know, I, I, just, I just started this new business. I made like $4 million in the last month. And I, I yeah, just, you know, it's a couple, a couple of my clients. <laughs> And I'm like, awesome, what'd you do? And he's like, oh, and he tells me about it. And I'm like, I could help you with that. 
And he's like, great, great. I'll split it with you. And like, bring me you know, any deal you bring me, you know, we'll, we'll work it out. And so I talked to him yesterday and he's like, he's going to send me the paperwork. And that was the deal I talk, we're going to talk to you about because you may have, you may benefit from it yeah. um, in the, you know, almost seven figures in the right. high six figures per deal. Now we're talking. <laughs> right. But if you don't believe that's possible when someone says too good to be true and, or, you know, like get overwhelmed by it. I, you know, when he, sh- when he shared it, you know, at first, you know, people go, Oh, I don't want to ask to, you know, I don't want to ask. And I'm like, as soon as he told me, I'm like, what are you doing? And, yeah. uh, is there an opportunity? Yep. Smart. That's, that's a mindset that you've adopted and adjusted to. And in that dude, I, I have it in my program, right? They're like, like, yeah, but can't, like, I, I almost think I'm offering too much. Maybe I should only offer, hey, I'll teach you how to make 100000 right? Like, like, maybe I should like, almost help you make $100,000 instead of a million. Well, there's, so there's an element of truth to that in that, yeah. depending on who you're attracting. Because for some, that million, it, it's, but it happens. So like in the marketing world, in the coaching world and in, in all of that, you'll see people and they'd be like, oh yeah, I'm going to take you to seven figures, you know, you know, in less than a year doing my program. Meanwhile, they haven't done it themselves. Right. And, but I think for some that is so far out of the realm of possibility that they go, oh man, I, you know, I would be happy with a hundred grand. Like if I could, if you could show me how to make a hundred K in my coaching business, I'd be set. And then once that's possible, they go, oh, okay. Right. So I think, you know, again, maybe there might be another, I do some split testing, some marketing thing. And what are some other ways that you could, you know, fill your funnel with what's most attractive? What are people, are they, are they at a point where, you know, a million to be a millionaire while it's their goal, it's beyond their realm of, of possibility. Say, look, I'm going to teach you how to make a hundred grand in real estate within a year. Yeah. Then you go, Oh, but once they get in the program and they start really learning and seeing people and then they hear your story, Oh, your hundred grand was the hardest. Okay. Well, if I get that hundred grand, that means yeah. now I have, that's why I do firewalks. That's why I do fire eating, board breaking, glass walking, arrow bend breaking, rebar bending, all of those things is because it helps shift. Once you accomplish the one, then you go, oh, I've broken through. I have a new paradigm of what's possible. Yeah. If I could do 100K in real estate, then I can do a million. Yeah. Because if I've never made money in real estate, it's alien. You know, it's funny, man. Like, I remember, I remember thinking if I could make what I used to make in a year. I remember the, my first year of making what I used to make in a year, I made it in two months. So I used to be a $40,000 person. I made it in two months. I made 45000 uh, know, 21 and a $23,000 a month. And I remember thinking, God damn, this is amazing, right? It's amazing. Oh, Austin. Oh boy. I figured out life, right? And closed the house, made a hundred thousand. I made 150,000 in a day. And then I, did that back to back and I had three closings in one month where I made 150, 150, 100, no, it was 150, 160,000. So it was a little over $300,000 in one month because the closings all just happen to line up together, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's about what I made for the year. I made 400,000 for the year because the brokerage on the other side, but in the, the rental properties. But that was, that was my first year where I was like, oh my God, like it's possible to make stupid money. Like, like this would take me before seven, eight years to make 
and now it's happening in a month. And the effort, Doug, when I talk about effort, like you see me all over the place. People are like, oh my God, you're always working. Dude, I'm not working. I'm grinding. Like I'm, I'm on a mission to help the world. I'm, I'm doing something that's important to me. I'm, this is my fun. This is my play. This yep. is how I choose to spend the rest of my life. This is not work. Right? There may be money involved because money is the energy that I use to get to more people. But like, so like the effort that I put into making that 300,000 was, I like that building. That's a good, that sounds like a good purchase. Hey, contractor, can you go take a look at it? And he says, this is the quote. I did the math. I'm an agent. I know, I know the valuation, but I didn't even do the, CA, the CMA. I had my agent do the CMA. <laughs> I just got, and I got a referral fee for it. And so this work was done by somebody else. It was managed by somebody else. It was, the contracts were all signed by somebody else. All, I didn't even, I've had deals where I didn't sign a contract my business partner did. Where it was like, I show up to the closings because there's a check. And I like right. the selfie with the check. And that's yeah. why I still go to the closings. <laughs> <laughs> but like sometimes to purchase, I'm not there. Sometimes to, you know, to sign everything. Like I, a lot of times, that's all I do is the, the purchase, the sale, and the, I'll walk the property for social media purposes. That's it. Right. Well, and what's instructive here is that doesn't happen overnight. No. So I think that's where people need to sign up for opportunities so that you can show people how to get to that point. Yeah. And sometimes we forget that timeline and, you know, like where we go, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go sit and, you know, wow, you know, Gualter, he's crushing it. I'm just going to go do what he does. Oh, he doesn't go to, he doesn't, he doesn't do this, that or the other. I'm like, well, I get, but because he has the experience to know who to hire how to, you know, vet the properties. And there's a lot of like little things that go on. And, and I talk with Paul about this and I, and I share this and, and I haven't had a chance to talk with Tony about it. But when I first got the gig with Tony, I was like, oh, great, I'm going to model Tony. Well, yeah, but when I got the gig with Tony, he's already 25 years in the business. He was already an icon. How he builds and grows his business from there is very different than how he started. Yeah. And how you do business now is because you've created momentum, you've created systems, and it took a while at first yeah. to create them, to build them, to learn how to vet them and all of that. So that's why it's important that people get on board in a program like yours uh, with that mindset of, I'm going to learn how to build the foundation, yeah. not how to paint the, the already finished mansion how yeah. to decorate it. Yeah. I first have to learn how to build the foundation because a lot of times I think people, and that's what marketing is, they see the mansion, they see the cool car, they see all of that. It's like, well, yeah, but you didn't see all the grease in my hands putting this together. <laughs> yeah, Doug, you, you mentioned a good point because it comes in incremental spurts, right? Like right. I had to make a hundred before I could make a quarter million. This was years, a hundred thousand dollars. Then mm -hmm. I earned a quarter million. Then I earned the half million. And then I shifted from earning to gaining that worth because I was paying so much in taxes and it was killing my mission. It wasn't right. allowing me, like when you pay Uncle Sam, you're not able to spend that money on marketing anymore. Right. And so it was, I got to keep the money in the system and keep it rolling and so take less on income. And I, I had a year where I owed oh, $70,000 in taxes and I said, I'll never do that again because that's <laughs> new account dollars. Well, we made a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it was, we made $450,000 and only owed 70. Like it was, Oh, that's actually really that good. Was a yeah. damn good year. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but we, that's because of the way we earned the money. There's a lot of capital gains, so we weren't taxed as heavily. And a lot of it, went, I spent 150000 on personal development that year. Yep. And marketing, between marketing and personal development. Which are both tax deductible. And that was one of the pieces that we realized if we spend on marketing, it moves our mission forward so we can make a ton of money. But if we're putting it back in the business, we can keep pushing and it gets mm -hmm. us what we want, which is just to help more people and build to help people build wealth so that they can go out and help people build wealth. Uh, somewhat tangential, but uh, real estate related. Have you gotten into opportunity zones? So real estate related, I have not personally, although we do invest in opportunity zones, we haven't gotten into the federal dollar. And okay. it's just because our gains are no longer there anymore. Right. Got so our, our gains are spent in marketing. So we don't have the experience of needing to shelter gains uh, by the tax benefit of the opportunity zones. But they are, if you're doing a 1031 exchange or you're taking some sort of big gain, it allows you to basically tax free for a certain period of time, mm -hmm. save a lot of money. So it, it depends on your, your financial situation. If you don't have the play that we have to spend on marketing, then it does make sense to invest in opportunity zones and the cities need them. They're there for a reason. Right. Um, and then uh, another thing down that road, the, the person that uh, I'm partnering with, with the, this situation with the, you know, that I just met, he made all that, you know, like 4 million in like a month. Um, yeah. He, uh, his specialty is cost segregation. Oh, do yeah. do, so I don't know if you do any cost seg with your properties, uh, but he's the number one in the country um, in cost seg. So if you haven't done that yet, I'll, make that part of the connection because I think it'll be a win on, you know, th that conversation alone could turn into huge, huge opportunities. And it, for us, it's a balance, right? Because when we cost seg, that means that suddenly now our depreciation is wiped out. We're wiping a lot of our depreciation right. out. So it increases our gain. So we still sometimes take the gains when we sell a property. Right. So there's this, oh, there's no, yeah, that's the balance. You, you yeah. do, the, you know, you're, your analysis on what's going to serve you best. Cause for some properties it may be perfect and for others it, you know, may not serve you, but it's great to, if you're going to do it, do it with, you know, the best. Exactly. Right? If you're yeah, going to love it. it. When you have a choice, always work with the best. That's right. <laughs> I love it, Doug. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I don't know if I've, if I've said it yet, but gwaltermorello.com forward slash live, uh, come in, hang out with me and Doug, uh, a couple of our other coaches, we're doing the 52 Weeks to Wealth. So it's a free event that we run. I'll be running it the rest of the year. Once I've finished running it, I will have somebody else running it. This is uh, a time-intensive event mm -hmm. oh. to run. And I'm doing it for 52 weeks. So it's 52 lessons. And it's uh, something that I want to do. It's important to get out there. But I have other projects that I want to work on. And so when I'm done with this one, it will be somebody else managing it and running it. So come join me and Doug. Um, Go to gwaltrenwell.com forward slash live and hang out with us Saturday mornings, 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time and learn how to build wealth. This is the 52 millionaire wealth principles. We take them one week at a time so you can implement them into your life. Um, and so it's yeah, not plug. exclusively. <laughs> oh, yeah, please. Why? Of course. I mean, it's not exclusively for real estate either. Although real estate will, if you're in real estate, you're going to get a lot out of it because so many people yeah. are in it. You're in it. I'm in it. There's going to be a lot of resources there. And it's really about the mindset of creating that wealth, creating that abundance, surrounding yourself with uh, people that hold you to a higher standard who, and, and out of love and respect, no one, when I say holding you a higher standard, that isn't like, you know, 
uh, cracking the whip and be like, oh, you jerk. You know, no, it's like, hey, look, we're all it, it's through modeling. It's through witnessing and sharing. Oh, here's an opportunity to share what's going on and getting essentially some incredible feedback from you and, and the other you know, incredible people on the call. Yeah, it's it's powerful, man. Like I, I should have started this years ago, but I'll be honest, I didn't know the principles. I didn't have them all dialed down. Mm-hmm. And every book says 17, 3, 10, 12. <laughs> and I started adding them all up and I was like, oh no, there's 52. Because at some point, you've got to put them into place. And if you go and try to read a book and take all the principles and put them into place right away, you lose it. And right. so one a week, if you implement one principle a week into your business, into your life, into your health, and then next week you do another one, that's 52 new habits, new principles. You're a changed person. You're a changed man or woman at the end of the year. Because, yeah, compound interest. You know, it's not just 52%. It is that 1% on top of another percent. Is a, Every week is they build on. It becomes compounded, not uh, just, you know, uh, linear. Right. And, and you get it. And it's and this is how I built my business. I built my life on systems. And these 52 systems, these 52 principles, when you implement them into your life, one at a time, taking them seriously, making actual change, doing the one thing, right? So you learn a principle and you say, how do I change this in my business? How do I change this in my life right now? And doing it. Because a lot of people will say, okay, I'll do that eventually. And then they miss out on the opportunity of that week. Because it does right. take some time to reprogram the mind. And in those weeks, they're powerful it's perfect yeah i mean that's and my program freedom hack is designed to get you in the right headspace so that you could take action no, with it, the actual care, it. principles it's not because the, the principles are sound the only thing that stops people from doing so is all the conversation we were chatting about earlier the limiting beliefs those non-resourceful thoughts and feelings right where i come from you know my focus is on what emotion you're in right what state you're in that's the fundamental so if you're angry you're going to take different actions. If you're resentful, different actions. If you make different decisions. And then you could be on that call. And if you're pissed off or upset, your call's not going to go too well. Exactly. And it's, uh, it's so important to recognize uh, the partnerships, the power of the right people. And uh, since Wealth Principle 22, uh, I've seen it 21 or 22. <laughs> It, but this Saturday, we're teaching it. And it's uh, the, partners, the power of partnerships and affiliation. So affiliating with strategic partners, mm-hmm. uh, actually, I believe it's called affiliating with strategic partners. And so what we're doing right now, like cross pollinating, like getting audiences to, to listen to each other. And, you know, I just shared it on, I shared this post on 36 different uh, groups that I have that are wholesaling, real estate investing, mindset, speaking, um, you know, I, I shared it in some of my local communities here, group in Fall River, uh, New Bedford. Attleboro, because to me, I knew this call would be something very generic that anybody could hit. Yeah. And so I was able to share this across a lot of different groups and a lot of different people have access to this knowledge and this information now. And so, uh, Doug, I want to say one, thank you very much for the opportunity to do this together. Thank you for all the time you dedicate to us and the Alchemist community for doing the, the free coaching sessions, for taking people into the coaching program. Uh, Darina's in your coaching program yep. right now. And she has seen massive results. I, I can't tell you as, as somebody who you know, is in a romantic relationship with her to see her grow and uh, develop and embrace her life and herself is, I, I just, I appreciate you on a level that I, I can never, I, I can never repay you. Uh, uh, dude, it's, so. <laughs> that, well, that's the mission. 
yeah. is to create opportunities for more leadership to come out, more love, more laughs, more just to, to really create abundance in every area of our lives. So thank you for the opportunity. Um, you know, this is, you know, getting to know you and, and through, you know, the program with Paul and, and then taking it beyond has been the, you know, a huge privilege and I couldn't be more blessed and my resources are your resources. So anything I can do to support you and, and together, you know, with, with everyone, as we build momentum, we're here to transform the world. Yeah. And I, I see us doing it, Doug. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you and everything you're doing. And uh, I will see you Saturday morning at 10 a.m. I got a call. I got to jump on. Yep. Um, Do you think? I love you for who you are and who you aren't. And we will see you uh, very shortly. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, <laughs> you so do. much. Cheers to your success, Doug. You too. God bless. Thank you so much for stopping by and hanging with us and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast right here and we look forward to serving you even more remember download your free guided hypnotic meditation at guidedhypnotic.com that's guidedhypnotic.com where you'll get your free anxiety busting meditation we look forward to serving you, and if you have any questions, comments, please feel free to reach out. All right, we love you for who you are and who you aren't. God bless.